Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their family or for people who have already built their family with donor conception. I'm your host. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception. And over my more than two decades of experience working both in fertility clinics and in my private practice, the Center for Family Building, I've met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, children, recipients, and donors. And I have learned so much, and I'm here to teach you all that I've learned in this podcast. My guests and I will talk about everything that you need to know to have a better journey to parenthood. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. And this is a special episode that I'm doing today because I wanted to answer a question that people have so often, and that is about disclosing to donor-conceived children. So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the research so that you can get some background to understand what we're talking about and why I'm going to make the recommendation I'm going to make. So... Years ago, we started to think in the group that I work with, Mental Health Group for the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, about talking to children about donor conception. And many people had this idea that maybe developmentally it was hard to talk to donor-conceived children when they're young about something so complicated. So many people started to think about the adoption perspective. And the adoption perspective developed after many years of looking at adopted children. In the 1950s, there were many children who were, who were adopted in the United States. And we can look at their experiences over time. So over many decades, we had lots and lots of information and lots of research. And so we were able to see how they fared over time. And what the adult adoptees said was, you know, If I had my druthers, I wish my parents had talked to me when I was in the crib. So there were really two reasons for this. First of all, they felt like if they heard it their entire life, this would just be kind of the backdrop of their life. And the second part is that when people are not genetically connected to their children, when they're not two parents genetically connected to their children, very often there's some discomfort in sharing the story. Now, it doesn't matter why. So if you're a heterosexual couple with infertility problems, that's very difficult to talk about, right? There might be some loss involved. There might be some grief. There might be some difficulty in talking about it. And as you talk about it, it may raise certain feelings. You might start to get emotional. If you are a gay couple, then you have to explain why you have some parts and not other parts. And if you're a single parent, then of course you have to explain why there's one parent instead of two. So regardless of the reason why you're using donor conception, there's going to be a story to tell, right? And the same thing with adoption. So the adult adoptee said, you know, this is is a difficult thing for parents. And so they're probably going to stumble over their words quite a bit as they're telling the story because they're having these feelings, right? They want their children to feel good about themselves. They want them to feel happy. They want them to have good self-esteem. And of course, they want them to have a good relationship with them. And so it was really difficult for the parents in these scenarios to share this information with their children in a comfortable way. And so the adult adoptee said, look, if you come home from the hospital, you put the baby in the crib and just start speaking to them right away, or even better, 
start speaking when the child is in utero, there's this wonderful opportunity to practice, just like as if you would practice for a school play or a presentation at work. As you practice, you can get the kinks out. You can start to think about, well, do I like this? Do I like that? How do I like this narrative? What really suits me? What speaks to me? How can I find my own voice in this narrative? And as you explore that, you can start to get the kinks out. You can have your tears. You can stumble over your words. You can have all kinds of feelings about it. And then eventually, when you get get to a place where you're feeling really comfortable with your story, and we'll talk in a moment about different ways to talk about it, at that moment, you can start to say, okay, now I'm going to rehearse it over and over again. And that gives you the opportunity of getting really comfortable with those words and those difficult things to say. So the adult adoptee said, look, if you do that, then by the time your child's old enough to know what you're talking about, you said it a thousand times, and it's just rolling off your tongue very easily. So some other people said, well, wait a minute, that is about adoption, but this is different. This is about biology. And so if we think about biology, then what about developmental milestones that children reach at different ages? Where are we going to think that this might be appropriate for children? So many people thought, well, perhaps around kindergarten or nursery school would be a good time because developmentally, children start to understand the connection between relatives at that time. They're starting to see their friends have siblings. And so maybe your daughter goes to school and she sees her best friend, Janie, and Janie says, my mom's having a baby. And she sees Janie's mom and Janie's mom has this big belly. And she says, to you, to her parents, why does Janie's mom have this big belly? Well, Janie's going to have a brother or sister. And we all need three things to have a baby. We all need a sperm, an egg, and a uterus to have a child. And all of those parts can come from different places, but everybody needs those parts to have a baby. And so there was some conversation about that, and perhaps maybe around that time would be a better time to tell children. So there was some research done over the years and one large study done in England many years ago, and there's been subsequent studies since then, that have really showed that the way that the adult adoptees talked about in the beginning was really the best way. Because although both groups of kids did fine, there were no greater developmental issues in one group versus the other, we find that children who understand their story at a younger age seem to feel a greater level of cohesion with their parents. And they do seem to feel comfortable. In fact, there's some research that shows in later years, they're even more comfortable with themselves, with their self-esteem, and feel more comfortable with their parents. We also find that parents who have a good connection with their children do seem to be able to have this subject kind of in hand. They feel comfortable with it. It feels natural for them, and they do seem to connect with their children better. So with that in mind, and that is kind of our backdrop to understanding what the recommendation I'm going to give you is going to be, let's think about talking to your children and thinking about four different items in your to-do list when you're thinking about building your narrative, okay? So the first would be thinking about sameness. Children like to be the same, right? 
the girl with the beautiful long red hair in school might have this gorgeous long red hair and everybody in her family loves it. But if she looks different than her friends, she may not be so happy about it. But of course, you need to share difference as well. The subject of difference is important because your family may look different than your neighbor's family, right? And so we all want our children to understand difference, to have a tolerance for difference, and to accept it within themselves and within their families. Then I think it's also helpful to think about the mechanics of the story. How does this happen? What are the parts involved? And how does that all work? You know, for many of us, as we get older, even, you know, as adults in this profession, sometimes it's confusing, right? Lots of people come to fertility treatment and they don't really remember their 10th grade biology class and how this all works. And it feels very confusing to them. So being able to share this information with children at a young age really helps them understand it and conceptualize what it means to create this life. And then last, I think it's really helpful to talk about your specific narrative. So lots of children like to hear all of these things, but most children do like to also hear their own story. You know, just like all of us like to look through things that we felt strongly about, maybe old pictures or mementos, we really like to see what our story looked like. And children really love that. So I think this is an important piece as well. So I'm going to give you now some suggestions, and by all means, find your own on the internet on our website, the Center for Family Building. It's www.familybuilding.net. I have a whole Amazon uh, book list that you can take a look at, and so you can pick and choose what you'd like, but you can investigate on your own. This is just for my explanation, but feel free to do your own research. So let's first start, start talking about difference. Okay. Now, this is a very cute book. Uh, there's lots of books like it, so you don't have to buy this one, as I said, but this is really about difference. So we want to think about helping the children understand that there's an acceptance, there needs to be an acceptance for different ways of living, right? And that by extension helps them understand that it's okay for them to be who they are as well. So this basically talks, talks about lots of different ways to have a family. Sometimes you have one mom. Sometimes you have two dads. Sometimes you live in an apartment. Sometimes you live in a house. There's all kinds of ways to have a family. And what you really need is love to have a family. That's the most important thing. There's lots of ways to build a family. And I think in this podcast, you've seen previously lots of people who build their families in all kinds of ways. And as life moves forward, as the future comes um, into kind of a stark reality of, of what we're going to see at, in terms of family and family building, we can see more and more of these different kinds of families. So it's really important to talk about uh, difference. Then, you know, we're also going to talk about sameness. So this is a nice book, but there are lots of, again, lots of different examples you can use. This talks about different parts that you need to build a baby. So, for example, in a trans family, you wouldn't necessarily have a sperm in a man or an egg in a woman, but you need all these parts. So you don't necessarily need a man or a woman, but you do need all of these parts. And they can come from, you know, people 
all different people, right? Some people grow in their mommy's tummy. Some people grow in other people's tummy. Some people use the sperm from their dad. Some people use the sperm from somebody else. And so we really just need to think about these parts and these parts coming together to build a family or build the child. Now, as we start to think about the mechanics, we were talking about the mechanics, there's a lot of nice books that talk about the mechanics. So there's books like this that talk about, it's a very nice, and this comes in all different options, a single parent and sperm and egg. But, you know, we're starting to talk about the mechanics of creating a child. So here you're thinking about a sperm and an egg and the sperm and the egg creates an embryo and the embryo creates a baby. And that's how we start to build uh, a child. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Let's say you're using egg donation and you think, you know, I'm a more creative person. I'd like to think about things in metaphor or I'm, you know, kind of more romantic about my thoughts about having my child. I like the adoption adage of uh, being able to say my child grew in my heart first before they came into my life. So if you're that sort of person, maybe you would like things like uh, books like this. So this is for um, children a little bit older, but you know the idea is still the same that you're going to use different ways of talking about family building. So here you have butterflies who have magical wings, and these butterflies have these magical wings with extra spots on the wings. These extra spots can be given to other lady butterflies to create a baby butterfly. And so that's really a beautiful metaphor for egg donation. Let's say you listen to story time when you're a child. You like to think about things in stories. You like the old-fashioned stories about the way that things uh, develop. So, you know, books like that, that type of storybook, also are available for donor conception. This book talks about two elephants that go to a doctor. And the doctor says, if you need to have some help to have a baby, then we need a gift from this other elephant. So this lady elephant comes into their life and gives them this gift, and this gift helps them to have a baby elephant. So that's a very nice storybook way of talking about it. There are also books about surrogacy. This is a very cute book about surrogacy. And so this also helps children to understand that some people grow in their mommy's tummy, some people grow in other people's tummy. This is a nice book about kangaroos, and there's also one about koalas. And again, there are books, lots and lots of books that talk about all different kinds of families, but I think it's good to have your family also reflected in some of these books. So this is a nice book about having two moms, for example. If you don't have a dad in the picture, then there are books like this that talk about why I don't have a dad, right? And so you're you get the opportunity to look at different family types. And as I, I talk to many of my patients about, it is good for your children to see different family types and also family types that look like your family, right? So if you're in a same-sex family, if you're a single-parent family, it is nice for children to see that both reflected in books, but also in real life. Unfortunately, you know, we're not in a place right now in this world where we can see those family types modeled in the world, right? We haven't had a, 
of you know same sex uh, family in the White House. We are we are not in a place where we see see single parents uh, be superheroes. So we don't really see our families, all of our families, reflected out in the world. So it is helpful to to find ways to do that both through books and also in real life. Last to talk about the the way that you can build your own story is uh, an example that I'm going to use from my own experience. When I started working more and more in donor conception after several years, I realized that in the adoption community, there's a very common way to share a child's personal story, and that's called a life book. And there was no such thing in donor conception. And so it really occurred to me that I should try to find something like that. And I looked and looked and looked. And unfortunately, the books that I found were too heteronormative, or they didn't include things that I thought would be helpful to donor-conceived children. And so I just decided I was going to create my own. So I'm just sharing with you what my process was and why I think that this is important. Feel free to create your own book. that You don't need to use mine. But I really felt that it was important to have one out there because I didn't see any out there for for all kinds of families. So I'm going to use my book as an example. But again, feel free to use your own. So in this book... There will be many opportunities for you to share your story. And again, you may be a person who likes to think in scientific terms. You might be a person who likes to think about it in more romantic terms or metaphor. You need to do what's right for you, but you really want to share information that you want your child to know. And you want them to think well of the donor. You want to say nice things about the donor because, of course, that donor is going to be part of your who your child is that's going to be inside of them. So you want your child to feel good about all of themselves, right? Not just the, the parts of them that are connected to you, but all of themselves. So you want to say nice things about your donor. You want to share your information about your family and about your process. And of course, many times we go through life and we forget things along the way. So this is a really nice opportunity to record things that have happened during your journey to become a parent. It also helps with your anxiety. In fertility treatment, it can be really difficult, as many of you know, to cope with the ups and downs of fertility. That's why it's called the fertility roller coaster. It's hard to deal with the stop and start. It's hard to deal with the disappointments. And there's so much stress involved and so much that's outside of your control. So as you're going through treatment, this also gives you an opportunity to do something that's positive, that's going to be really good for your child. And it does give you a feeling of control because you can actually do something create something, and then you see the benefits. And if you want to take a, uh, take a look at our website, we have a lot of information about this. But when you get to, to do something and see the benefits of what you've created, it does give you some feeling of satisfaction, some feeling of accomplishment, some feeling of solace that you were able to create something in spite of the fact that there was so much outside of your control. So let's take a look at this. So this is not about the child's first or second birthday party. This is not about, you know, all the things that they're going to do when they graduate nursery school. This is 
the story about your child coming from your dreams, your heart, however you want to say it, into your home. So you would start with talking about how maybe you met your partner or how you started to think about family building or how you and your family started to discuss becoming a single parent. However you want to start it, you'll start to talk about things that were important to you in your life. And um, you will be able to accumulate different mementos along the way. Maybe you put your donor's information in here. Maybe you put your doctor's business card. Maybe you put information from your sperm bank or your egg bank. Maybe you put information from when you went out to lunch the first time, when you went to the fertility clinic, and you have a receipt from that lunch. And you can see how much it costs and what you had, and maybe there's a you know a cute story around that that you'll document later. There's lots of places to talk about all different things that happen along the way. You can talk about the way that you decorated your child's room or how you wanted to decorate their room, the things that happened to you as you moved along. There's lots of places to put things later on. Maybe you know your your child's um, uh, footprints and things like that after they're born, so your child will have that too. It's also nice to talk about your family and friends and people who who had nice things to say about the child that was going to come into the family or come into your family and share those things because those are really sweet, fun things. You can write a letter to your child and talk about how important it was for you to bring them into your life, what they meant to you, dreams and hopes you have for them. And then, of course, there is also, as I mentioned in previous videos, this family tree. So the family tree is really helpful for a number of reasons. First of all, it's really helpful for children to kind of conceptualize, particularly when they're young, how their family was built. And when they're very young and they don't understand metaphor yet and they don't understand a lot of things that seem very complicated, this is a very simple visual way to understand their family. So maybe you put yourself here and your partner here if you have one or your sperm or egg donor. Then you can put gestational carrier, maybe, um, maybe it's gestational carrier's partner if you want to do that. Or if you just have a sperm or egg donor, maybe you put them in either one of these places. But this is a place for everybody who created the child, right? So everybody who came together, genetic or non-genetic, right? If you're two people in a family and one's a genetically linked parent and you have an egg donor, you would put both parents and maybe the egg donor maybe a partner or somebody else, whoever is important to you in creating this child goes into the roots of the tree. Then you have your whole family here. So what does that mean? That means all the people who you consider family. And that may mean your best friend. That may mean your cousin. That may, may mean your parents or your siblings. But you put all of those people here. So some of the people might be the same or might be different than here, right? You have the roots of the tree and then you have the whole tree. But this is what it took to create your family. And this gives your child a really good sense of how they were created. It also helps certainly through school because we always have that dreaded family tree project that we have to deal with. So this can be very helpful. And then of course, throughout the book, there are lots of places to put pictures, to put more information about your child's birth, to put more information about your child's 
background, things that maybe be important for you to um, include and, and share with your child. So in my workshops for donor-conceived children, I find that they really like having something like this for themselves. Sometimes I see children year after year saying, oh, this is so silly. I'm really not interested in that. And then their parents come into their room one day and they see them pull the book out of their bookshelf and they're looking at their book and they're curious about it. Because even though your child might be very close to you, there may be moments where your child wants to explore this on their own. Maybe they wonder why you know, they're developing freckles or they have dimples and you don't. There may be feelings that they're having that they want to share with you or maybe things they just want to share with their friends or even explore on their own. So this gives them something for themselves, something just about them that they can explore and they can reflect on on their own. And I think as the child grows, it can be really beneficial. They don't necessarily have that donor in their life or even have evidence of that experience that you went through and the information about their donor consumption story to hold on to. So this is something that they can hold on to, that they can use over time as they grow. So that's a brief summary of how I would recommend you think about disclosing to young children at the beginning. And what's really important to remember is not to feel uncomfortable about doing it right or not doing it right, telling too late, because telling at all is better than telling late. Lots of people worry, I've told too late, or I shouldn't tell now because it's too late. It's never too late. It's always important to tell. If you can start young, as I said, that's ideal, but it's always important to tell, and I can certainly help you with lots of ways to introduce it at different ages. One more thing I, I need to share with you, and this is really important. If you're pursuing donor conception, there's a good chance that you could have two different areas where you're feeling pressure. So on one hand, you may have people on social media or people in reproductive medicine or donor conception community kind of encouraging you to be as open as possible. In the same vein, you might have lots of pressure, but from people outside of the kind of knowing about donor conception community, people who don't know about it, people who are in your family or friend group who might feel like this is something that's wrong or strange, or maybe they don't make you feel like this is really your child and you're already feeling upset about that because you're not the genetically linked parent and you're worried about that. So you might be feeling either or both sides of pressure in this process to build your family and in this process to begin to think about sharing the information with your future child. And what I'm here to tell you is that you need to be true to yourself. If you're suffering because of infertility, if you're struggling because it was so hard for you to choose a donor and you finally did, if you feel uncomfortable because you still haven't really embrace this idea that you're going to use this person's genetics to build your family who you don't even know, and that feels uncomfortable for you. If you feel badly that you don't have a partner or that you have a partner who doesn't really want to pursue this and you're struggling with that, 
if your partner is going to be genetically linked and you're not and you're upset. There's so many things that could be happening to you right now and you really need to honor that and go through this process to the best degree that you are able. Just take in some of the information that I shared. Just start to think about it. Let it absorb into your system. It is so difficult for so many people to do that, and you really need to not shame yourself or feel badly because other people are making you feel badly. You really need to embrace this process the best way you can, get some help, and not to be angry with yourself if you've made some mistakes along the way or if you didn't do things the way that your mother-in-law or grandmother told you you should do. You need to forgive yourself, embrace this information, and start to think about how you can digest different parts of it and eventually get to a place where you're more comfortable with it. You know, I see a lot of people. I see people who have a real hard time accepting donor conception, but some people who accept it pretty easily. And there's a wide spectrum of feelings and uh, experiences, and it takes different levels of devotion and time and consideration in order to really accept this and really embrace it and feel comfortable with it. So if your story is different than somebody else's, if you feel like, well, this person was able to do it so easily, or this person has no problems and I have all these problems and I'm not going to be able to manage this, remember Almost everybody I know gets there. Some people, it's really, really difficult for. For others, it's very easy. You will get there. It's very, very rare where I've seen somebody just say, I can't handle this. Usually people embrace donor conception. They take it step by step and they eventually get to where they need to get to. And they have the most beautiful, wonderful families. And you can too. That is my prayer and hope for you that you will have everything that you've dreamed of. And maybe it won't look exactly like you had imagined in the beginning, but you can have the family of your dreams. So again, I hope that helped. And I hope to see you on this podcast next time.